It's the success line. This is the place where achievers come to get advice on how to solve business problems and unlock their true potential. Every week, a new listener of the show sits down with success coaching director Ben Fairfield to talk through a roadblock and learn a lesson. Now here he is, Ben Fairfield. Hey everyone, welcome to The Success Line. This is Ben Fairfield, your host, and I am excited for another coaching conversation today. Uh, today we're joined by Mr. Ethan King. Ethan, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Glad to be here. Absolutely, man. So so we're excited we get to have a conversation with you. Uh, you know the format of the podcast, we get to have a real authentic coaching conversation. As, as you found out when we hopped on here, I don't know a lot of the backstory. I don't have any prep. We've not talked before. We want these to be real and authentic conversations in the moment. So, so if you would, share with the audience and with me, uh, who is Ethan, what's your backstory, and, and where are you at in the world? Yeah, so I am in Atlanta, Georgia, geographically. Um, I own uh, a, a few different companies. Uh, my main company is Zeus's Closet. We do screen printing and embroidery. We're like a tattoo shop for your clothes. So um, I've been doing that for like the past, God, I don't know, 18 years. We started out in the Greek paraphernalia space, like making um, sweatshirts and jackets and stuff for fraternities and sororities. Hmm. And that company is called Stuff for Greeks. Um, so like stuffforgreeks.com. It, we're fortunate to be like one of the top players in that niche um, worldwide. And then we um, we pivoted and, and opened up a retail store. And we, we now have two retail stores called Zeus's Closet, where we do the same thing, but we expanded to um, different niche markets. Like we serve the movie and TV industry and do their wardrobe and costumes, um, school uniforms, all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess what makes us unique in that space is that we offer as fast as same day service. We do everything in-house. So we're able to offer the advanced customization on the spot. Um, and it, it, you know, it's doing well. I, I can't complain. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so what was the backstory before that? What got you into that? Yeah. Uh, the backstory before that, I, <laughs> yeah, we got, we could go a lot of different ways with that. <laughs> um, so uh, Long story short, when I when I was a kid, I wanted to be an artist. Like growing up, I told my parents, "Hey, like like an artist, like drawing and painting. Like I I want to sure. be an artist as a career." And of course, they looked at me like I was crazy, and <laughs> they, they literally literally said to me, "You know, artists don't make any money until after they're dead, right?" <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I was a hard headed kid, and um, I stuck with it. I majored in art, went to college, and. Um, stuck stuck with it and you know it turns out they my parents were right like it's very very <laughs> tough for <laughs> for an artist to make Dang money it. for yeah for a long time uh I, I was i was the epitome of a starving artist that that's why the term exists um so i worked a bunch of odd jobs um you know taking out my probably my most uh notable job that i share with people is that uh, i was once taking out the trash at a strip club as a bar back. Um, and it was like the most humiliating, humiliating job I ever had. Cause my friends would come in there and party. And here I am like cleaning up and taking out the trash. Uh, but it was, it was the only job I could find at the time. And it, it was a convenient schedule at night because I went to graphic, I took graphic design classes during the day. So I taught myself, well, mixed between classes and teaching myself graphic design, web design, and so forth. 
that's how I ended up getting into digital multimedia. So I was a freelance graphic designer for a while. I had a graphic design company. I pivoted that into the clothing, the custom apparel space. And that's how I ended up where I am today. Got it. Okay. And do you have any business partners in this or is it just, is a sole proprietorship or how, how's that set up? My wife of okay. almost 19 years is my business partner of awesome. almost 20 years. Um, so we started it when we were boyfriend and girlfriend. We, lit- we literally went half on a business. We said, hey, <laughs> you put in $350, I put in $350 and we started our business with $700. <laughs> um, Most people get like a dog together first, but you started a business. That's awesome. Yeah. We started a business. <laughs> and now, yeah, here we are, you know, almost 19 years later, we have uh, two kids and and uh, actually multiple businesses together. And uh, we actually still like each other most days. So <laughs> <laughs> Then that means you're winning. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. Okay. So, uh, so I, I love it. And thank you for sharing that because it just gives context, which I think is really, really important when we're going into these conversations. So, uh, so that being said, you've, you've obviously had success. Um, you've had success in this business, I'm guessing and in others, because it usually leaves clues and people that are successful in one area are typically successful in others. So, so I'm assuming your business is, is profitable and successful. Um, so what yeah. brings you to, to the call the, to the success line today? Yeah, it's like, why are you here? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am thankful that business is doing well. Uh, to be honest, I've been doing it for a long time and I've just kind of gotten over it. I'm ready to move on to something else. And there's nothing wrong with the business. In fact, it's doing great. I feel sometimes I feel a little bit guilty even feeling this way. But I guess um, it started a few years ago. I joined Entrepreneurs Organization and then um, I, I became chapter president. I started doing some chap- some uh, speaking and I ended up becoming like the speaker. I've, I've spoken on stages across the world and helped. I've helped other entrepreneurs grow. Um, entrepreneurs organization is a, it's a specific organization where you have to have um, the minimum requirement to even be considered to join is you have to have a, at least a million dollars annual revenue. Okay. Um, so I had mentors that coached me and helped me get up to that place in my business, because as you know, as an art major, I had absolutely no business background. I didn't come from um, a family of entrepreneurs. I had, I had no one to, to look to in, to run a business. Like I was just really running it by the seat of my pants. Here I am an artist. I really got uh, lucky in a lot of ways to, to have a real business with actual mm-hmm. employees and, and brick and mortar locations and e-commerce. So I had to learn the business stuff. Um, so after learning it, applying it, you know, it works. There's a formula that works for all businesses, right? Um, so I wanted to pass that on to other entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs and who, who come from a creative background like me, who don't have the business knowledge and give them that part of it and help them grow and actually make um, a a really nice um, income and livelihood. I I believe that artists should be paid as well as lawyers are paid. Like why do lawyers make a thousand dollars an hour and not artists? We need art, all kinds of art, music and everything. I think it's equally as as important as lawyers, doctors, whatever, right? Um, So I found a new passion in teaching, coaching, and helping others. And at this point, it's really, um, it's the passion that's, that's, that's capturing a lot of my attention and my energy, but it's not making me a lot of money right now because um, sure. it's, a, it's a side, it's a side hustle, right? It's a side gig and I'm just doing it for fun. 
but I feel guilty because I'm I'm like, well, I have this business over here and I'm kind of, I feel like I have one foot in, in that space of like mm. the coaching and speaking space and writing a book and have like online courses. And then in, in this other space, I have like the day-to-day business. Um, and I've, I've kind of been like, I, I think the logical answer that I've approached is like, okay, we'll just hire people to run that business. And then I can focus on this other stuff. And I have been there, done that. Yes, it works uh, to an extent, you know, the business, I wasn't able to take my hands completely off the wheel. You know, I, when I did that, it, things went right for a while. And then, you know, you, if you take your hands completely off the wheel, the car will go straight for a while. And then sure. you stop paying attention, you end up in a ditch. Sure. So I had to, you know, jump back in the driver's seat, pull it back. Um, so now, honestly, I'm just kind of feeling torn and I want to uh, devote a lot of my attention to the brand. I, and I'm trying to figure out, like, how can I kind of, I don't know, kind of get the best of both worlds here and not, you know, it, and not like kill myself doing it, I guess. Yeah, and and also, and, and one reason I wanted to talk to you guys is how would you position, like, for my personal brand? I have so many different things going on. Like, you know, I you know, have the art background and the apparel space. I have a um, an online course that I launched at the beginning of this year that has nothing to do with it. It's a fitness program called Six Pack Dads. And it's, mm. uh, that's, it's my COVID baby, I call it. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> it was birthed out of COVID when I put on weight and I, I lost the weight and a bunch of my friends were asking, well, how'd you do it? And I, I literally put together like this six-week program and sold it and actually helped a lot of guys lose weight and get in shape. And it has real results. And, um, I felt like that was so rewarding to me Mm. because what is virtual is digital. Um, so it gives me freedom. Like I don't have to actually make some, I've already made the product and it's just, you know, the coaching and the mentorship and then like the online materials and the training program and the, and the accountability part of it but I don't actually actually have to make something. There's no like hard cost of goods with that business. Sure. And then, um, so I, so I love the freedom that that gives and I, I love the income. And then I love the impact, like most of all, like actually transforming people's lives. Uh, like, again, like that's like, I, I'm just kind of leaning towards that. And, um, but I feel like I have this hodgepodge of things that I'm doing. I honestly feel <laughs> like totally scattered. So sure. I, I wanted to talk to you guys and just, it's good to hear an, outspi- an outsider's perspective, especially from someone uh, like you. Absolutely, man. Well, I, you're you're in the right place, and we uh, we are fortunate to be able to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on a regular basis, just like you. So, um, you know, no no two problems or opportunities are exactly the same. However, there's a lot of common themes. Uh, mm-hmm. Among some of them, so uh, so if you don't mind, I got a couple of questions for you, and I'm taking notes as we go because uh, I want to make sure this is your your situation. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, is not clear cut. Right. This is not like the tax season comes and you go down to one of the tax preparing houses and you're, you're in and out in 15 minutes and you have your taxes done. Your world's a little bit more complex than that. Right. So <laughs> I want to make sure that we, we get uh, context for everyone listening uh, in your your embroidery side of the business, the, the main business, the, the most profitable and the biggest one. Uh, tell me, what role do you play in that business on a day to day? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm the CEO, but on the day-to-day, I'm primarily in like a, a sales role. Um, so whereas we really cut out, especially like post-COVID, um, we have cut back on a lot of our front-facing staff. Actually, we didn't cut back. Um, you know, there's this whole great resignation thing, I guess, 
where we found it tougher, more challenging to keep people who wanted to act, who had to actually come into a building and work. Right. Um, and didn't have those roles that don't have as much flexibility. I just kind of took those on and my wife kind of took them on and, you know, we jump back in. And so we're doing the face-to-face consultations for the custom orders. And that's the primary um, role that I play in the business. We have designers, we have production artists and embroidery people who do the rest of it. And uh, I feel like I'm kind of this in sales and then kind of the conductor of the orchestra. Okay. Got it. So you mentioned that you'd, you'd try to tried bringing in other people before and you mentioned like when you take your hands off the wheel, the car goes straight for a while and then you'll end up in the ditch, which totally get that. Um, what went wrong? What didn't work when that happened? Honestly, it was 100% my fault. I just, I, they, you know, there's this mantra you hear in business, like, um, whenever you're doing any type of business education, it's like spend less time working in your business and you should be working on your business. And I really kind of took it too far. And I had gotten the business to a place where it didn't need me. And I just completely checked out. I like traveled the world. And I was like, oh, great. The business is growing without me. I just get in the way when I'm there. And I, I moved out of my office. I didn't even have an office in my building. And um, I think I just got too disconnected. And my team, uh, I lost touch with my team. So I, mm. I take full responsibility as a leader. Um, it was just bad leadership. I, I should have stayed in and, and just kept hands and kept touch with people instead of being so disconnected. And and I, what the way I noticed it, I mean, I'd be like in another country and get notifications that we got a one star review on a on a review app, and I'm like, wait, what? that doesn't happen. We don't get one star <laughs> reviews. What's going on here? Better Business Bureau complaints. Okay, wait a minute. Stop. 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 You know. So that that's what happened. Okay. Yeah, and so the reason I ask that is I've I've been fortunate enough and count my still 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 fortunate to have um, a handful of uh, billionaires that speak into my life, and then I get to to watch what they do, and, and they're running some massive massive organizations. Mm. And one of them said something to me. I, I went to their house a couple of weeks ago, and we spent three days together masterminding and visioning and. And he mentioned something that made me, you made me think of when you just said that. He said, no matter how high I go, as far as success goes, in terms of success, no matter how, how far I go, um, I can absolutely always replace parts of where I'm involved in the company. It never completely removes my responsibility or involvement mm-hmm. in the company. And he learned that lesson, the similar lesson to you, that, that I can replace myself in the day-to-day. I don't have to be face-to-face with customers but I never get to get to the point where I don't check in on a regular basis and I don't know what's going on and I'm not actively behind the scenes, but actively involved in what's happening in the organization. So I, I think right there, out of the gates for everyone listening, I, I think there's a lot of people that are gonna, gonna be approaching that step where, where you've been and they can learn from that, that, that we can replace ourselves in the day-to-day and in the face-to-face, but it doesn't mean we get to completely check out and not be involved in the business because nothing good happens <laughs> when we go down that path. Right. Right. So, so, okay. So, so you're, you're saying now if a customer comes in, wants to face to face, there's a good chance they're meeting with you. Yeah. 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 50, 50 chance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You were the boss. Got it. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so that being said, um, 
what does it look like in your your mind, your estimation, to find a happy medium between the extremes of it being built and dependent upon you and you being checked out, traveling the world, not knowing what's going on until you get a notification? What does the happy medium there look like? Yeah, I, you know, I guess it would be, you know, getting back to the point where we have a solid, reliable team. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, the team we have right now is awesome. Just and So when I say team in this sense, I mean, like, just um, hiring some fresh, new people in the front facing seats to to absolve some of my responsibilities. So it's not like 50-50 chance of seeing me there. Um, and then using my freed up time to focus more I guess on the um, on developing my my passion for like the thought leadership and, and writing the books and, and and doing the podcast and all that kind of stuff and my passion for mentoring and coaching and keynote speaking and helping others, um, but not completely checking out from the day to day of my business. So I, I guess making it more like eighty twenty would be that sweet spot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and. and- just tell you what I'm seeing and you tell me and, and everyone listening if you think we're, we're off track here or if I'm missing something. But I see a path that the two of these work together and put you in the position of doing what you love while still having the involvement necessary to keep the other straight and narrow on the road. Mm-hmm. Can I explain what I mean by that? Yeah, please do. So, so what I heard you said, and I've literally like, I know they can't see it when they're listening, but I've got pages of notes here that since you've been talking. So uh, mm-hmm. income and impact are two words that you said. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's huge. The, the conversation we had earlier with someone else was the relentless, relentless pursuit of more is, is hollow. It, it leads to an unsustainable future. It's never going to be enough and, and stuff crashes down. So so I'm glad to hear you said impact. And that's the coaching heart in you as my guest. Like that's your desire to impact other people. Yes. What we know is, though, is that just impacting other people doesn't necessarily pay the bills on its own when we're starting a new business. So we have right. to find this happy medium. Mm-hmm. So what I, I'm seeing, and I'd love to kind of explore with you, get into some detail on what we think it might look like. You bring you bring something to the business that, that you've discovered is is not impossible to find, but it's not the norm. It's not it's not easy to find. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, definitely. So so you've got you you kind of feel stuck. You're in this tug of war, is what I'm sensing. Like you're you're being pulled to be an active part of the business because you can't let that go backwards. But your your fulfillment is really being pulling you this direction to go over here and spend more time in the coaching and people development. Is that fair? That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So here's my here's my thought, Ethan. I, I think we have an opportunity here for you to find, and, and I don't know how many, you, you'll know the number, but however many frontline people, whether it's one or 10 or 100, but however many of those frontline people, the customer service facing people, the doing the consultation people, you have the ability to find those people and train them on what you do. But, but then as you do that, your incentive is the, the further they get in their skill sets, you can take a step back and now you could focus your time on pouring into them and developing and coaching them inside of your organization rather than being the person taking the order with the customer. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So now there's a path to where you can keep this one going while at the same time pouring into these people that you're developing and scratching the itch on the other side. And at the same time, if you're like me, you never stop growing or learning. You're going to be learning a ton pouring into your own people. They're your guinea pigs, like pouring into them, coaching them, training them, loving on them, giving them leadership. Mm-hmm. And you're solving your own problem at the same time. What are your thoughts there so far? Yeah, I like that. And I definitely, um, 
that's that's part of our culture like um the one in fact one of our core values is lifelong learning and we you know whenever i go to events and learn things i, I bring it back to the team and share we discuss it we we listen to uh, audible books together like business books and leadership books and stuff like that so that's a big part of what i do um i found that uh, kind of this strange phenomenon i guess it came over me recently where if you ever like if you speak to large crowds and when i say large like the largest crowd i've probably spoken to in person is maybe a thousand people virtually maybe like eight thousand people yep but there's this 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 uh when you speak to a crowd and then you people come up to you afterwards and and they tell you how how they were impacted by the words you said on stage for me one-on-one conversations started to lose their luster for me i felt like oh man I should be speaking to a lot more people like instead of just doing this one-on-one thing. And I don't want to feel that way. Sure. <laughs> sure. But I, you know, I'm like, just, I guess maybe it's just efficiencies or something. Can you relate to that? Or Absolutely. That- no. I, so okay. last week I spoke in front of 6,000 people live in a room. And so I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and I think this is, this is actually one of the things I was speaking on at the event was what does it look like if we shift our paradigm or our understanding or our thought process around what, um, the interaction with those employees looks like. Because traditionally, it had very much has been a one-on-one. You're dead on right. Like, it's been a one-on-one. I'm going to sit with you for an hour. We're going to stare at spreadsheets. We're both going to get bored. We're both going to say what the other person wants to hear. And then we're going to get back to our day, right? Mm-hmm. That's very much the old school thought. The beauty is it's your business and you're the boss. So what does it look like to shake up that norm and have it you on many? It doesn't necessarily have to be you in one of those customer, I'm just calling them customer service people because I don't know what else to call the role, but but it doesn't have to be you and them one-on-one. What if it's you and three or four of them at a time? Mm, I see. Yeah, I guess that that does make it better. Like you and I are talking one-on-one right now, but thousands of people are listening to this or will listen to it. Bingo. And at the same time, I think when you're one-on-many versus one-on-one, you also will begin to develop I would suggest there's probably opportunities there to develop a program you could then use with other organizations as well. Like you mm-hmm. have the ability to test. I mean, you did it for working out. You did it for for losing weight. Now you get the opportunity because you need to pour into your people to, to take steps back out of your day-to-day role. So you're, at, you're faced at a crossroads here. You need to do this anyway. Might as well get as, the maximum benefit that you possibly can. So if we go one-on-many with these people, you also have the ability to begin documenting a process and a system that you could eventually take on the road to other organizations and impact lots of people in the process. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Huh. You, you, the way I see it, you have an incredible opportunity to, you have your own science lab, essentially. You get to, you get to test this stuff out and if it doesn't work, okay, shift, pivot, go a different direction, but, but you can be agile. You can move quick as there's no red tape. You, you are, you are you, you are the boss, you are the owner. And so you, you know what's best. Uh, but ultimately the, the, the death rattle for any entrepreneur is when they try to get out of the day to day too quickly. And they don't have it be in progressive increments or, or successive steps. And, and I see this a lot of times with a lot of entrepreneurs. We hit that ceiling of we just lo- we've lost passion. We've lost the interest. And it doesn't mean for people, but it just means it's become mundane. It's routine. It's the same. It's not exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. totally normal. <laughs> I guarantee you everyone listening right now is like, yeah, been there or I made there right now. Right. So right. totally normal. So 
if it's not about if it's happening for people or if it will happen, it's when it happens, then what do we do with it? Right. Yeah. And then how do we how do we face the situation where we're being pulled in two different directions? One is pulling me because of out of duty and responsibility. The other is pulling me because that's where my passions and interests lie. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to look for ways where I can intertwine those two. I know I have to be here in some way, shape or form to keep this moving and rolling and all those things. How often can I pull over my passion and, and rethink how I'm doing the business over here or how I'm doing the training or how I'm how I'm interacting with this business unit? What happens if I change the way I think about how that works and integrate as many of these opportunities as I possibly can? Yeah. So what do you like see that, that looking like? What, what, are, what are some ways you could see that playing out? Because you know your business better than I do. Yeah. Um, well, funny enough, so we have a nice um, event rental space that we own that's right adjacent to our office building. And I've, I've said to myself, sometimes we rent it out for people uh, – who are hosting workshops and stuff. I'm like, I should have my own workshop here one day. <laughs> um, so, I mean, this would be perfect for that. And we use it for staff meetings and stuff here, here and there, but like actually having learning events um, that are like professionally done and recorded and inviting our team. And they, they get to experience it for free, even if we're charging for admission um, yep. as a benefit, I think um, would probably be something they sound, they find value in. I think when in the past, when I've tried to kind of weave the the teaching and the coaching into just the everyday realm of the business, and I, I felt like I didn't know if stuff was landing, or you know, sometimes I get met with blank stares, and you don't know if it's resonating or making an impact because they're they're an employees, like they have to be. Or you told me to sit here, <laughs> sure. So um, <laughs> sure. So maybe positioning it differently and making it optional, but here, here's a benefit: you can come to this event. It's not during work hours. Other people in the public will be invited and they'll be paying, but you can come and experience it for free because you're a team member here. Um, I think that would give me uh, more of a signal as to the impact it's making in their lives. If that, if that makes Bingo. Sense. And Ethan, yeah. I think the other thing it's going to do is it's going to show you who's rising to the top of this leadership pool that can be the next Ethan for you or on your behalf. Like it's yeah. not going to be an overnight thing. Right. But I'm going to see who's stepping up, who's leaning in, who's taking advantage of the opportunities that I'm putting in front of them, not making it mandatory. Right. right. But, but they're going to show me who those, those people or that person is very, very quickly based on how hungry they are for what it is I'm putting out there. Because the, here's the reality of it. You don't need 30 of those people to be leaders. You probably need one or two. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Now, yeah. Here's, here's the other thing I wanted to unpack a little bit with you. Now, now let's just assume, let's just assume that this is a, this is a path you go down and you take this approach. Uh, would you agree that there's likely other entrepreneurs who are, are in this same uh, tug of war feel that you're in right now between passion and existing role? Oh yeah, most definitely. So do you think that that messaging might land with them on social media if you had the ability for a workshop, a challenge, a live in-person event to walk them through the steps that, that you're experiencing and that you're working to solve. I don't have, I'm talking as you, I don't have all the answers, but here's what I'm going this journey with me. Here's what I'm working through. Mm. Now all of a sudden you have the opportunity to create a community around a shared experience, opportunity or frustration. What then could you sell out of that that benefits the speaking, teaching and training side? Mm. You know, that's interesting because I've always, 
um, kind of looked at it like, well, I, I shouldn't be teaching it until I've solved this particular problem. Like, I shouldn't be teaching it while I'm still experiencing the problem. That, and I don't know if that's incorrect thinking on my part, but that's how I feel about things. It's common thinking. And let me ask you, what's the number two search engine in the world? Uh, Yahoo, Bing. YouTube. Ah. What is okay. YouTube full of? Professional videos or amateur? Yeah, mostly amateur. People crave authenticity. Now more than ever in the history of our world, people crave authentic people. We, none of us have all the answers. We've never arrived. We never will. People crave authenticity. Right. Um, but YouTube is also free. So do you think that like when it comes to like monetizing that certain knowledge? Oh yeah, no, no, not, it's not suggesting monetizing it, but just okay. proof, social proof that people will, they'll, they'll watch something on YouTube, like anything, whatever it is, it's going to be a dog jumping through a hoop. They'll watch it, even though it's not professional and perfect and, and it's not, no person hasn't arrived, they'll mm -hmm. watch it because it's authentic and real. Mm -hmm. I would argue that people will, you don't need to wait until you've arrived or you've got it all figured out because by the time you do the, the something changes and you have to learn again, like that's just the entrepreneurial journey. Mm -hmm. People will resonate with your authenticity saying, I don't have all the answers. I failed a lot in the past. If you're like me, I failed a lot in the past. I've learned a lot from those failures and I continue to learn moving forward. And I'm on this journey to figure out how do I navigate being in this place of being pulled in two different directions. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's all about finding your authentic core group of people, because here's what we also know. You don't need millions of people around you as far as your coaching, uh, your speaking and your, your teaching side of the house. You don't need millions of people. You need the right people. Mm -hmm. You want the right core group of people who resonate with what you resonate with, identify with what you're facing and saying, and that what you're saying speaks to what it is they're experiencing. That shared experience is a powerful tool. Okay. Okay. I like that. So, so moving forward, let, let's look at this practically. Cause I know there's people thinking, okay, well, that's all, that's all really good theory. Like how does this actually practically <laughs> show up in the day to day? Right. Uh, what we know is this is not an overnight thing. Uh, there's no quick, the quick uh, fix or magic pill or potion that makes this happen overnight. Uh, but there are benchmarks that we can set, right? So, uh, so ultimately, what I'm going to ask you here is what do you see those first couple of benchmarks being if we're working towards the goal of of you beginning to work backwards out of some of your day to day, which, of course, requires finding the right talent, having the opportunity to pour into them and guide them. Uh, so, again, it's not a quick fix, but what would the first steps towards that look like? Um, probably. Well, what I'm thinking is like just hosting, picking a topic and hosting some workshops, um, inviting people in, inviting my team members in, recording them, publishing them on YouTube um, so that we get that audience as well. Um, but then I'm kind of, you know, building up a, um, a community of a following on the, the message, the message that I'm putting out there and also pouring into my team and investing into um, in, into their leadership and nurturing them. And um, what I am, I think the part of it that isn't 100% scientific is that, but I feel like in doing that, I will attract the right talent to help me grow our company, like to, to be a number two, a number three, you know, to, 
to really be the like the integrator for my visionary yep and to help the company company grow to the next level which will also free me up to deliver more impact and as i deliver more impact that also continues to help the, the company bring grow in more talent well. exactly right exactly right here's what we know you mentioned something a little while ago that i think is key here that right now it's very difficult to find and keep employees mm-hmm. now that could change in a heartbeat who knows But as of today, um, Friday the 19th of November, it's difficult to find and retain employees. There's a lot of job openings and there are not enough employees to fill those openings. Would you agree with that? Has that been your experience? It it has. Um, My take on it is that it's for certain jobs. Yep. I, I think that flexibility and freedom are more appealing to people more than ever now in a, in a post COVID world. And people are reprioritizing what's important to them and they're putting priority and freedom over money. Um, so it's not just about, you know, I, I've heard other entrepreneurs say, well, just pay people more, just pay people more. Mm-hmm. It's, that's not always the answer. Nope. In fact, surprisingly, it's not the answer. They don't care about the money. They care more about the freedom and flexibility. So what I'm finding is that certain roles that don't offer as much freedom and flexibility by nature, like if, if I need you to be sitting in the in a store from nine to five or whatever the hours are, then you know you can't you know work from home in your pajamas like you've become <laughs> accustomed to in the past year, right? Sure, uh, not for that role. So that I think that those are the roles that are most challenging, and that's why restaurants are hit hard with trying yep. to staff people, right? Because you gotta be, you have to actually come to work. Um, and you know there are other industries, coffee shops, all that kind of stuff. So they're having higher turnover because people are realizing like, hey, I just want my freedom. So that that's the challenge I think that we're in right now. You're absolutely right. And that's, that's precisely why I brought it up because my talk at this convention actually was on how do we effectively lead the younger generations? Mm-hmm. And what you said is spot on with, and maybe you've researched it, I don't know, but I'm telling you, I have the statistics to back it up. I spent 75 minutes speaking in front of these people on this, that money came in number three on what was most important. Mm. What's very interesting about the younger generation was their leadership development and their opportunity for growth was number one. Wow. Wow. Okay. So my point in all of this, bringing this all full circle is as you go down your journey of stepping into your purpose and your next chapter and, and who you were created to become, as you go there, you create a vacuum behind you that will, if it's done correctly, attract the right people looking for what it is you have to offer. Because they can go anywhere for a job. If people come for the money, they'll leave for the money. I completely agree with you. Paying more is not the answer. I don't believe it ever has been. People will work for less if they believe in the vision of the company, the purpose of the company, and they see themselves being able to grow inside of the company. Mm-hmm. So when done correctly, I don't. I, I hate to make this uh, kind of a juxtaposition, but I think your obstacle is actually could be your advantage. The fact that you have the talents and abilities that are pulling you the direction of wanting to become even more of a coach and a speaker and a teacher actually could be your differentiating factor in attracting top talent and retaining top talent because of the environment that that will create. Does that make sense? It does. And um, I had never looked at it through that lens, but that that does make a lot of sense. Um, When I was a graphic designer, one of my clients was Tyler Perry. Mm. And um, I was very fortunate to work with Tyler. This is before he was movie mogul Tyler Perry, before most people had ever heard of him. He was just 
doing plays. He was a playwright and really only a very small subset of people like in the middle-aged church black community had ever heard of Tyler Perry. I had never heard of him when I started doing his graphics for his stage plays and stuff. And um, what I noticed is as I saw him evolve and grow into who he is today with Tyler Perry Studios and everything, um, I noticed that talent would just attract him just because they wanted to say, I, I work for Tyler Perry. I work at Tyler Perry Studios. It didn't matter what the pay was. People would work for him for free, probably. I'm not saying he didn't pay them. I'm yeah, just saying they probably no, I get would that. have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that's the power of, of um, I'm agreeing with you, like following a vision, following that leadership um, and that the magnetism that comes along with it and being public and sharing your light with the world. It, it's, it's the difference as a business owner, Ethan, it's the difference between having to compete with all the other businesses mm -hmm. for the employees versus you having a, a file folder full of applicants that are fighting to work for you. Right. And as an wow. entrepreneur, I'd much rather have the second <laughs> the second yeah. way of things happening than the first, right? Because the other the other companies right now who are only working off of their benefits package and their pay package, they're realizing how little that matters to these next generations. It doesn't not matter, but it's not the most important thing. People will work for less if they believe in the vision, the purpose, and the mission of the company. And you have the opportunity. Your obstacle can become your advantage in your case, I believe, because you've got the skill set, the giftings, and the calling to step into that role to create that environment that, that sets all of that up. Again, though, it, it's, not, it's not sexy or faster because it's going to be a process. However, when done strategically, it can have a, a lasting impact, a legacy impact on your, your business because it can change and transform that business. Not that it's bad now, but it can transform that business going forward to where you may not even recognize it in a great way in 10 to 15 years just because of the leadership laboratory that you could create internally. Yeah. I like that. I, I really appreciate that insight. I never um, considered it through through that perspective. Well, that's yeah. awesome, man. Well, I, I am uh, I'm really thrilled to have been able to to hang out with you on the success line. Uh, I'm thrilled to hear your story. You have a ton of success. You're a bright light, and it's uh, really neat to hear so many people like you out there just making such a difference and having a heart to impact people. And uh, I can't wait to watch and see what comes next for you. And uh, and I do this with everyone before we we sign off. Uh, what's your commitment? What are the first steps you're going to take? Uh, to make what we just talked about practical instead of just knowledge-based? Honestly, the, f the first steps I'm going to take, I'm going to just gather my team together and share with them what my passions are, what I'm, what the, what the plan is and how I want to help them. Because I've been kind of keeping it not secret because the, the stuff I share is public, but I've been um, compartmentalizing it from my day-to-day and, to, and then I have my like my my moonlighting. I guess I've treated <laughs> treated it like moonlighting. Sure. But so my first step to answer your question is to marry the two together and just sit everyone down and be like, "Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what's important to me as a leader, and I also want you to be part of this journey." So, Ben, I appreciate you uh, your insights. I see why you're you're an awesome and valuable coach. Uh, it's been a great session. I thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Well, thanks for being with us, man. And how does somebody get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you, Ethan? Yeah, the easiest way to find me on all my platforms is just go to my website. It's my name, ethanking.com, E-T-H-A-N-K-I-N-G.com. Awesome, Ethan. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for being here. All right, thanks a lot, man. 
if I had a dollar for every time I've heard an entrepreneur share a similar story to what Ethan just shared about, about being in this spot where I'm being pulled apart, it almost feels like. I'm being pulled in one direction by the business that got me here, that it needs me and I have to be committed to it and, and do the things every day in that business. But yet, I'm being pulled as equally hard away from that business towards my new passion, towards fulfillment. And the beauty of, of Ethan's story and the conversation that we had, and I want everyone to take this away, that, that oftentimes our obstacle can become our advantage. Oftentimes our obstacle can become our advantage. Here's the key. The thinking that got you to where you are is likely not going to get you to where you want to be. And this is the power of the success line and why we've created success coaching to help and coach entrepreneurs across the world. Because perspective is everything. And when we can gain different perspective, newfound clarity on ways to turn what is or feels like an obstacle and make it our advantage, we become unstoppable. Where in your business and in your life can you turn an obstacle into an advantage? I want to thank you as always for being with us on the success line. That's it for this week. Be sure to connect with me on social media. Instagram is the best place. Send me a private message at Ben Fairfield. Would love to connect with you all. See you here next week. If you're interested in receiving free coaching on a future episode, go to success.com slash success line guest. This has been a success podcast. Head over to success.com slash podcasts to hear more just like it.